welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Tricia Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I haven't seen you in a week. I know. How's, what's been going on? What's been going on? Yeah. We've been working. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a busy week, a busy week. Yeah. But I have to say that one of the fun things I've been able to do is get outside and, and do some work outside. So while I'm working from home, I can actually sit outside in the sun. And I do appreciate that. That's really fun. That is the beauty of being able to work from home, right? Yep. It's you don't have to spend your whole time looking at Oh, your office, your cubicle, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. Hey, this is such a special day. And I'm really happy that we've gotten to this important moment in our healthcare series. Today, we're wrapping up the series with a roundtable discussion on what we learned and discovered from the four healthcare professionals we interviewed over the past month. As a reminder, for those people who are listening, the the healthcare professionals that we interviewed are Dane Fukumoto, who's an education program director at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, Marcel Lowe, who's a retired healthcare executive and board member, Dr. Pam Hansberger, who is um, a medical doctor and a physician leadership development professional, and finally, Dr. Bailey Vale, a new resident as of last week in the field of psychiatry. For today's roundtable discussion, we have two esteemed guests, Jack Schlosser and Melanie Vargas in alphabetical order, both (laughs) leaders and experts in their fields. We may, you guys may recognize these names because we have had both of them on our podcast before over the past several months. And today, the four of us are going to unpack what we gleaned from our four healthcare professionals and providing some insights around what we can do to support the implementation of sustainable practices that address and prevent some of the critical challenges that exist in healthcare industry today. Welcome back, Jack and Melanie. We're so glad to have you here. We're really looking forward to today. Thanks so much, you guys. We're happy to be here. Absolutely. Before we dive into all these questions and start our discussion, is there anything you'd like to share today? I'll let you start, Jack. Okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank you. Uh, first of all, I, I really enjoyed each of the sessions. I, I really liked the uh, the fact that we had a real diverse group of those interviewed, representing different facets of our different, uh, basically locations within the healthcare industry at different points in their own career. So it was uh, there was some fun, consistent threads there and also some uh, unique differences. And so I I just thought it was a very interesting group. Yeah, I'd like to echo that. Um, I'm excited to unpack some of the questions and and the themes that I I as well felt the same about the diversity. I loved um, I loved listening to all the podcasts and I'm I'm excited to to really go through all of it with 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 each of you and get get your thoughts on it. 
Well, thank you. And, you know, we are so glad the two of you are here. I think that this is the perfect group to unpack this. Um, and so thank you for that. Crystal, you have anything you want to add before we jump in? I just wanted to encourage our listeners, if you're just joining us in this series, to take the time to actually go back and to listen to each of the the interviews. Um, just they, for me, they were really thought-provoking and and inspiring too. I mean, we know there's a lot of challenges in the healthcare industry, and they all had something to say about the progress that's being made and the hope that they have for the future. So that was really great, I thought. And so I think if you haven't, feel free to to listen to this part, uh, but then go back and, mm -hmm. and to listen to each of those interviews. You know, that's a great call out. And I will say that I've listened to each one of those interviews more than once. And I found that I learned something different each time. It, it was funny, you know, I thought I had really impacted. I was good grief, I was in the interview, right? <laughs> but then when I listened to the podcast, I thought, wow, you know, I didn't, I must have missed that. It didn't really resonate with me at the moment. And then when I listened to it again the other day, just to kind of refresh my memory on what we all talked about, um, interestingly enough, I had more insights. So I think, I think it's a really good idea. Even if you've listened to it before, go back and listen to it. If you want to hear, you know, if perhaps you have um, maybe missed a point that maybe resonates with you, whether you're in healthcare or not. It's, yeah. it's good information. Yeah. Yeah, this unpacking may, um, may inspire you to, to listen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So diving into our questions, after listening to our four healthcare-related interviews, what are your general impressions? And Melanie, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I love, uh, Trisha, I love what you said about listening to these podcasts, whether you work in healthcare or not. Because um, while I've kind of dabbled. I've been a healthcare dabbler in my career. <laughs> I haven't actually had a career in healthcare. And so after listening, I've, I've certainly had healthcare clients in the past, but I felt, I felt really inspired by their stories. Um, and I loved their hope stories. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to talking, touching on those a little bit, a little bit later. Um, and, and I'm also looking forward to, to sharing some insights about some ahas and some surprises I had about what they had to say, because I think I had that lens on from not being in the industry. And yeah. so being a patient and mm. a customer, I had that lens on and just, I felt, I just felt so inspired by everything they had to say and hearing some of the differences, but also hearing some of those common themes throughout what they had to say. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting too. Um, our first, our first interview, Dane, he brought that forward too. That we're all consumers, so we we mm -hmm. can wear multiple hats. Some people are actually dedicate their careers to healthcare, but all of us utilize that system, and so we're all a stakeholder. Yeah, right. And you've heard a lot of people complaining about healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, and what's wrong with the system. And the truth is. I feel like we should have a lot more compassion for what's happening in healthcare. And mm -hmm. if people would listen to these podcasts, I feel like they would have a lot more compassion. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and, and I think Pam touched on, there's this expectation that we just get back to it. You know, it's like the pandemic's over now. Like let's pull up our bootstraps. Like why are there such long, long lines and why isn't anybody answering the phones and why does it take so long to get in to see my doctor? And it's like, yeah. there's no, compassion now that we're yeah. past 
pandemic anymore. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, I sat through this and I thought, gosh, it's, um, I'm looking at it from a lot of different angles. And one of them was as a, as a person who goes to the doctor. And I thought, you know, I have a lot of friends who complain constantly about medical care. And yet when I go in and I watch what practitioners and nurses and techs are doing just to make sure that I'm taken care of, it's overwhelming sometimes just looking at the way they have to dance to make my care manageable. And so it, it gives me pause and it makes me want to craft that coaching moment with all those people who don't seem to see how it lands for them because they never really complain to the customer ever. You know, their whole focus is on the customer. They may not get along with each other very well, but that's because they're giving all of their everything to their customers, right? Healthcare people. So it's, um, I, I found that that sort of resonated with me throughout this as well. It felt like they hit on it a little bit in each one of our interviews. So. Yeah. Jack, I know you have something to add on this. Yeah. Well, I, I, first of all, love all your points. And it, it just, it goes to the reality that healthcare is such a complex, important mm. piece of our, everybody's life. Yeah. At one point, you're the patient. At one point, you're the, you know, the consumer, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the deliverer of care, whatever. And, but it, it's so important. And, uh, but the challenges, I mean, and I'm a, I'm a, uh, glass half full person in, in general. And I, and I am here as well. I am inspired by each of the individuals we heard from. I'm inspired by the people that I've met over three or four decades doing being in the, in the business, but I'm also uh, concerned about the challenges facing the industry and actually challenges that have faced the industry for, for years. And in some ways are, are growing um, and mounting and um, the answers are oftentimes delivered by individuals and locally somewhat fragmented because healthcare is delivered basically locally. And we don't have a national system answer to this, which is something we'll talk about, I'm sure, in the unpacking here. Um, So this is not new in terms of kind of the challenges facing uh, the problems and, and how to work through them. But I think today more than ever, there is an urgent need for the health systems, the policymakers, the regulators, the academicians. There, this needs to be, at least in the United States per se, a um, an all hands on deck time to try to think through this because the quality of our system is at risk. And yeah. there's a lot of pressure points that we'll be talking about. And one of the biggest is the shortage <laughs> of healthcare workers. Yeah. Uh, it's not just that people have, some people have retired uh, as a result of the pandemic and just saying, okay, it's time for me to retire. But the the time that we have greater demands with more chronic illnesses, people are living longer, there's greater demands. You need people to care for, for whether they're physicians or the caregivers or even the administrative infrastructure. Um, and it takes time to fill that pipeline because it's also a highly regulated business. There's licensing involved, there's there's additional education. So these are things that, that we're facing. Um, but again, I'm optimistic because there, the pandemic alone uh, increased the interest in healthcare. So people, as we heard from Bailey, um, you know, new to the scene, relatively new, even though she's been at this for a while because she's now a physician. But people are entering the business because they do want to, to uh, 
care for others and they're interested in healthcare. Mm. So cool. You know, you, you said you're a glass half full person and I'd say you're probably sitting with three other people who are glass half full <laughs> people. And yet I, I will say I was watching the news last night and I saw an, a, a news article about a p- local healthcare system that is getting ready to lay people off. And I was appalled because they're doing it mainly because of costs. However, we're talking about people who are becoming burned out and are leaving the healthcare system. We're having a hard time getting new blood in. And there are healthcare systems that just can't take the weight of the cost and, and all of the um, new technology and demands that are taking place in the world and or in their in their system. And they're they're having to lay people off. And that was so discouraging. I thought, oh my gosh, this is something's got to be done about this. And that, by the way, is an example of the complexity of the situation. Yes. The uh, there was a, the American Public Health Association, I think it was, in 2019, pointed out that 60 over 66% of the bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies in the country ha- mm-hmm. are tied in some ways to yep. medical issues. Yeah. Yeah. And the flip side of that, we have providers, in particular the hospitals, the inner city hospitals, the rural hospitals that are fighting for survival. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of work going on in the industry with uh, not a simple answer. Yeah. Yeah, the financial aspect of that is huge. Yeah, it's part of the equation of what needs to be solved. So true. So as we were listening to all of these wonderful practitioners, um, what, if anything, surprised you? For me, it was while I understood as we were having some, or as you were kind of going through the waste questions, I don't think I really understood the amount of waste and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, that was surprising to me. And I also was really, and maybe this, this goes to an aha or maybe an insight. I loved what Dane had to say about in, in, inequality as it relates to waste. Mm-hmm. I'd never really thought about that before. And so that was a big surprise for me, just realizing that as it mm-hmm. relates to kind of the major, major waste in, in healthcare. Yeah. Um, so much, you know, and something that we really need to be aware of. Um, and, and how can we help with that there, you know, and I think they have done a lot to address that, Mm -hmm. um, as an industry, as, as a whole, and especially the, the improvements that they've made, um, you know, with technology and so forth in that regard, but wow, that was, that was a big one for me. I think part of that also, as I mentioned earlier, the, the history of, of healthcare was really of a cottage industry. Uh, each community had their own hospital mm-hmm. doctor. And uh, over time, systems started to get created. But the, the, this, the technology linking everything, even we, I'm sure we've all seen it in our own patient uh, records. How many times did you fill out, you know, the same information yes. going from doctor to doctor? Today, finally, things are becoming a little better on that front, but it has tended to be a a fragmented uh, industry. Yeah, for sure. And even like, think about in the old days where you had like a clipboard and paper at every single point, and that's so much improvement on that, on that front. Yeah. You know, when I started in working in a hospital, I worked in a hospital that was developed originally, it started by nuns in, in uh, Maryland. And 
they they still lived there at the hospital when I worked there. There were still nuns there, but they they did the best they could to come up with ways to take care of all of the waste that they had. And they had incinerators. And I remember when I first started, they still used that. I thought, oh my gosh, they're burning waste in, in these hospitals. And you could see where the hospital was from far away because, and there were five of them in our area that did the same thing. So it was pretty hard. But that to me also, um, when you said, Jack, that you know it's really more local, it really is. I, I worked in Baltimore area, and there are several hospitals there, but they are all very contained. And yeah. there is no real connection except that nurses tend to jump from hospital to hospital to hospital depending on you know, what they can get in terms of you know, bonuses and things. So you know, that, that was the thread between those hospitals it wasn't doctors and it wasn't really the care. So it's pretty interesting. I guess the other, I guess, surprise for me on that front would be it relates to, and this is something that they all sort of uh, touched on was the value of the clinician and the patient connection. Yes. And if they're being bogged down with those processes, it sort of takes away from that connection, right? And so that was another sort of surprise to me is that the more we can make improvements there, the closer that connection is. So um, I had never really, I guess, been aware of that, that technology really sort of helps with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that, that um, and it may have been, you know, we had four sessions and, and there's a lot to cover in each one. But one thing that didn't come up much that is a topic that I think we'll increasingly see within healthcare and everywhere is the whole topic around artificial intelligence and the mm-hmm. impact that may have on uh, on medicine, the delivery of medicine. And ironically, literally just this morning, I came across uh, a headline that I printed out here, uh, new Let's see. Talk therapy. AI may detect earliest symptoms of dementia by analyzing speech patterns. And it talks about a, 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 uh, a study that's been done by researchers at the University of Sheffield in, U- in the UK. And it just talks about the fact that the idea here is the goal is is to help enable faster diagnosis by serving as a mm. middleman between the general practitioner and the dementia specialist. So, you know, wow. it's again an example where artificial intelligence and I, I I can guarantee you pretty much look anywhere in healthcare and and there's somebody working on something re- mm-hmm. related to artificial intelligence that will likely have a big impact not sure what it will how it will impact but there will be an impact on that in the business in the healthcare business yeah I thought it was interesting too that Pam was sharing that her sort of priority was to make sure that we held on to, the primary relationship between the doctor and the patient. And that's not to say that AI doesn't have a role for sure, but really defining what's the best and most appropriate avenue for that. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting and so true, right? We get a diagnosis, we get some information, and what do we do? We we Google it, right? right? And a couple of different guests brought up that issue around people going and seeking their own information and how that can be kind of challenging because it's we're not trained to interpret that information. It may be correct. It may not be correct. And even if it is correct, we don't really 
completely understand how it applies to our specific situation. So I thought it just was a great reminder that even when we have all of these other tools and resources, what's really important that we don't want to move away from is that relationship between Mm -hmm. the doctor, the person, the doctor person, and the client. But looking at how can technology support that relationship and augment it. Yeah. And I would just insert also between all caregivers, whether they're at the bedside, nurses, therapists, all caregivers and, and the patient. Yeah. Yeah, those are interesting points. I don't have any problem with us moving toward AI in healthcare. I think there's a real there's a real opportunity there. I don't know what that looks like yet because as much as we've been talking about AI for years now, I think it's just starting to surface where people are saying, "Oh, okay, it really is a real thing. We're going to keep going with it. It's going to be something." And we're seeing all the hiccups that are going along the way right now, right? But the cool thing is we're testing that. And I think there's opportunity for healthcare to have AI involved. But to your point, Crystal, I think that's excellent to think that AI could be an, a support to a practitioner's ability to be with the patient. And to your point, Jack, I agree. It is not just the doctor. It's a nurse, the tech, anybody who um, has patient interaction, right? And it has been challenging for them. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, if you're in a hospital, Doctors are doctors. They're really good. That's they're the last word, you know, when it comes to care. But when it comes to actually doing the care, a lot of times it is only the nurse, and so those people are not. I don't think they get as much um, um, as much recognition as they should. And if we extended this, I would say let's do a series on nurses because mm-hmm. there's a lot that could be unpacked with that. Um, but to have some kind of AI help or assistance for them so that they could be spending their quality time with, um, yeah. with patients. That might even eliminate some of that, that burnout that happens because people are trying to figure out how to dance with all of the technology and the people and the, and the orders and all of that. So it's interesting. Right. And if you look at those burnout studies in healthcare specifically, the burnout is the highest with the nurses. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. And those are yeah. the people I used to coach <laughs> mostly for the nurses. Even now they're, you know, they're rising. <laughs> they're not going down. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to that. What Pam said is like, let's, you know, it's the pandemic's over. Let's get back. You know, actually right. burnout numbers are going up. They're not going down. Um, so that really does have to have to be addressed. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Anything else um, that stood out for you, AHA's insights? I think we touched on most of mine. You know, I I mentioned the value of the provider-patient connection, which to me really stood out. Just all of them touched on that. The other thing um, for me, which was kind of listening to what all they said about technology, we, you know, we're talking about AI, but even just what Bailey had to say about telehealth and Mm -hmm. how that's really helped you know, my background's in tech and I see technology helping so much in healthcare specifically. And we've seen how telehealth has really improved just being on the receiving end as a customer or a yeah. patient yeah. as a consumer. So that to me was, um, that really stood out for me is just how those improvements have really been continually been made in healthcare and will continue to evolve, you know, ju- not just with AI and how we can educate um, continue to educate and bring awareness around that 
um, and, and help, you know, those different generations really continue to understand how that can be of service and, and that they don't, they shouldn't be afraid of it. Cause I think oftentimes people are afraid of technology. We've heard some of that with AI, but it really is going to make things better for them and easier for them. Yeah. And, and just in terms of telehealth, it, telehealth has actually been around for some time mm-hmm. as I think everybody knows, but one of the challenges, in fact, during the pandemic, really for the first time in a major way, people embraced it and uh, paid for it, if you will, because the economics of it have been such that it, it has uh, probably not reached its full potential due to how insurers look at it and how overall it, it fits within the overall economic picture of healthcare. And again, that's one of the the ongoing issues, just trying to figure out how to make it work most effectively. Hmm. You know, that makes me think of when Dane, when we were interviewing Dane, and he, you know, he's got a big background in lean. And, you know, it's not just to fix what's not working. It's to take a look at what are the best ways to move forward. And so this, this really speaks to that for me, you know, it's like the telehealth, how do we how do we make that most effective for people and for healthcare and for the insurers so that they, um, they understand the value of that, you know, i I actually appreciate that. And during the pandemic, I used it a lot for my mom. And I'll tell you, it was, it was awesome, but it, it had its glitches. It really did. So to, to listen to Dane talk about, you know, all different types of healthcare and different processes that could be looked at and really touched on through a lean process makes total sense to me. And I think you know, there's there's a guy who's probably going to be able to figure out AI. <laughs> and along that line, you know, the the digital divide. We have a lot of yeah. seniors that are somewhat homebound, and and there's a big movement of what called the social determinants of health. How do we keep people healthy and out of the hospital? But if they're if telehealth could benefit those homebound folks, and yet there's a digital divide where they're not comfortable with technology. How how do we somehow uh, have a bridge there so that they can benefit from it and ha- have a better life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think that awareness is so key. Mm-hmm. Digital divide and how do we help bring that awareness to them? Um, side note with, with Dane, that comment that he made about sharks versus dolphins, mm-hmm. that as an OD person, yes. that was insightful. He had, he had mentioned, Jack, I don't remember. I, I don't know if you remember this, but he had, he had said that, Sharks, sharks may be the ones that are always resistant. And it was something along the lines that they're oftentimes the loudest ones in the room. Yep. <laughs> Dolphins are the ones that you really want to pay attention to mm-hmm. because they're the ones that that have the greatest impact and that they're they can make impact on the on the sharks. But I, I'm not probably repeating it exactly how he said it, but I loved I, he was great. I love mm-hmm. I love what he had to say. Yeah, it was where you focus your energy on the people that are going to help move you forward or just the people that are really loud and resistant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that Which is in the past has always been we listen to the one Mm -hmm. that's the loudest, right? Yep. So So, um, what were your favorite moments in all of this? My favorite moment was when uh, when Marcel was – I loved everybody's story about how they got interested in healthcare, but the one that stood out for me – was with when Marcel talked about his, his brother, who tragically died at a young age, who had planned on having a career in medicine, but um, obviously wasn't able to because he passed on. 
but that served as a motivator for Marcel to to look into healthcare. And of course, rest is history. He ended up being really successful and carried on that um, desire of his of his brother to get involved. And I just thought that was particularly moving. And and I appreciated the fact he shared it like he did. I had never heard that story before, and I'd known Marcel for many years. That was so what I remember Marcel being in healthcare when he was at Swedish is that, you know, he was not afraid to show vulnerability um, so that others could learn and grow from it. And when he started talking about that, I almost wanted to cry. It was so beautiful the way he shared that message. And to me, it was very impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, my favorite moments were listening to their hope stories Hmm. I just was really touched by every single one of them and they were each distinct and different in their own way. Um, Dane, his was around action and um, I forget something around um, uh, despair Mm. and stagnation. And Marcel was so optimistic. I just, everything about his hope story was so inspiring. And then Pam her and I know Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one really touched me and resonated because hers was so vulnerable. Yes. She, you guys probably remember that she, she touched on how, how sometimes she has hope every other day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and I love this because I think it's true for most of us, right? That we're not going to be hopeful 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. And that you have to really ma- manage those negative thoughts as they come in. And I think she told some funny story about, you know, noticing squirrels when they run across the street and so mm-hmm. forth. And yeah. help you kind of those negative thoughts around. And then Bailey, who was also just, again, what a great group of people because bringing in that youthful energy and her focus around what she can do, you know, and can she, you know, focusing on small victories and can she call the governor or call, you know, um, do something with legislature, what can, what action can she take? And that was such a, I mean, like I could see my kids doing that, like really taking, taking action, like really focusing on moving things forward. Um, So I just, to me, I took something really significant from each of their stories and like, I want to just take it and put it in a little box and put it on my (laughs) desk and open it up when I really need it. Yeah. It's great. I saw Bailey as being just totally inspiring. Um, You know, here's this this young professional who is just starting in her career, but she sees the the possibilities, and that's what I really appreciated was that you know she's looking at the possibilities going forward and how she can be a part of that. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was inspiring when she was talking about. We asked her, "What advice do you have?" And you know, for other people who um, might be in in high school or, you know, in college and thinking about, and she couldn't have been more candid about, you know, what she thought they needed to focus on, you know, and what they needed to think about as they were making their decision. And I just thought, gosh, you know, this kid knows what, I'm sorry, I hate to say it. She's not a kid. Sorry, Bailey. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, she job, is, though, she's got her act together at her age well, and yeah. where she starts, and, you know. And truth be told, Wise. there was, so much wisdom and advice <laughs> yeah. there for us. Yeah. Like yeah. what she had to say about burnout and yeah. um yes. how their generation looks at work-life balance compared yes. to how we, yes. we do. Our generation, you know, we just grind it out. 
you know, we pack it in. We, we had to learn how not to do that. We had to mm-hmm. unlearn stuff that we learned, which is pack it all in until you burn yourself out and almost die or go into cardiac arrest. Her generation is not willing to do that. They yeah. watched us suffer severely and I love that. I I learned so much from them. And isn't that just another opportunity for us to unlearn and learn again? Because, you know, I think that's part of our our quest in life is that we are going to be unlearning and learning for our entire lives. That's what we do, right? But um, but to your point, I mean, it's like we, I thought we did that and that we were moving forward and that our wisdom was going to take us through. But that's not the way it works. You know, you're, you're only as wise as the next thing you learn, basically, sometimes. So another cool thing about the Bailey discussion was while she talked about work like life balance, she clearly also talked about wanting to make the world a better place yes. and taking mm-hmm. and talked about the importance of taking action. And she said, you yeah. know, I'll pick up the phone and call the governor's office. I thought, <laughs> no, well, I was like, you that's, go. Uh, that's taking action, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that too. I was like, why not? Right. She's like, why, why wouldn't I do that? Like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I feel better that, that Bailey's, you know, in the world. Um, yeah. So many, so many great moments. The, one of the ones that I really loved too was what you talked about there, Melanie, around the, the sharks and the dolphins. And then the other thing that I learned from Dane was the piece about, you mentioned this already too, was that equity, they consider equity waste. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, just if we can all sort of put that lens on it to say, let's quantify this. There's real cost. There's waste associated with not treating people equitably mm-hmm. and systems that aren't equitable. And um, just, I thought it takes away that argument sort of like, well, is there equity? Should we be going for it? You know, it's like, no, it's like, we're doing this. Let's figure out how we're going to get through this and make things better. Yeah, I totally agreed with you when you said on the podcast, Crystal, you said that everything really is central to this and that everything else should just stem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From this, yeah. You know, and that we should just get into the business of making everything better. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing that I loved about that lean process that he talked about was that they put the customer, all, every single one of their process improvement events has a customer that's present, a customer or family member. And I thought that is just amazing that you put that voice literally in the room and how that would change your conversations if you had that anywhere in, in business, right? To making sure that we have the right people in the room was so powerful. It's an element of patient-centered care, you know, where, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're involving the patient, but you're you're actually coming to the patient, but you're doing what what they've said they need, which is really important, so important. I know I was thinking about, you know, Dane's message as well about the the inequities or that you know equitable care or what they're experiencing right now, and how. That is also an element of burning out people because trying to get to a place where we can see things equally, but you see it in healthcare where it's not, and you still have to practice. And it's it has got to be absolutely exhausting to have to figure out why are we providing this kind of care here and a very different type of care for the same situation or same issue somewhere else um, or in another 
you know, circumstance. So it's, uh, I, I thought about that when we were talking to him. I was thinking, gosh, I can, I can imagine that must be absolutely overwhelming to know that this is happening and not be able to do anything to really change it as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Favorite moments from, from all of them. Um, loved um, Marcel oh. when he was talking about the role of leaders is to be the example and that that can take courage uh, and vulnerability. And you just mentioned that, mm-hmm. Trisha. And then yeah, Pam just showed up yeah. with her whole heart, right? I mean, every word was was passion for her. I love that. I and was, her dedication to helping people not be burned out and, and to recover from that. Yeah. I, I just had so many favorite moments during this whole thing. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I love interviewing people. I really do. I think it's so much fun. This series, though, the fact that it was so focused on healthcare and that we pretty much asked the same questions of everybody, but we got such rich answers and all of them were so different. And I thought, this is my favorite time of being in a podcast right now because I learned so much and I know people that listened, learned so much. We got we got feedback from people who said that they learned so much. And, and to me, that, that means something to me. It's, it means that these four amazing people are making a big impact on the world. And I, too, loved Marcel's interview. I just, I felt it was just flippin' inspiring. And it was a delightful day. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun doing that interview. Yeah. So in thinking about leadership and healthcare. What should healthcare leaders pay attention to that they could act on now? What actions do you believe will yield the biggest impact for them? I would say what comes to mind for me is paying keen attention to the wants and needs of those that are entering the healthcare field and showing appreciation and caring for those currently in the field. Yeah. Everybody in the tent and, uh, and making sure that they know uh, that A, they're appreciated, B, that there's empathy for what they're facing uh, and appreciation. People, uh, the pandemic stirred interest, as we mentioned earlier, in healthcare and medicine. And a lot of people are looking to to join the initiative or the community. And my hope is that there'll be continued focus. I think there will be. I think that people are recognizing the importance because we've seen the impact mm-hmm. when there's a shortage of, of, of individuals and also on the way out, people explaining why why they might be leaving. It's important to listen to and, and give them the attention that they need so that we can continue to attract the talent and provide the quality of care that, that we all want. For me, I I echo a lot of what Jack said as well. And also, I think what's noteworthy is that we have all these generational differences in the workforce now, which we alluded to earlier. And we've got all the, the needs of the workforce, all the diversity, equity, inclusion, and helping people to feel safe. And I think we're almost all speaking a different language. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand each other differently. And I heard, I think it was Pam mention that we have to look at people beyond just what they're doing at work. We have to understand what's happening in their home lives and how that's impacting their work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is true for all leaders, regardless of healthcare right now. Right. 
we have to be understanding people's whole lives as leaders and how can we help? That should be the question. How can I help? And how can I better understand you as a person? Because those burnout rates are going up everywhere in all industries. And all leaders need to be paying attention to how they can help their teams and their people because we can't lead the same way that we were. Yeah. We are leadership needs to involve to continually be evolving to a different place. And maybe this is the most important to those of us that have been around for a while that think that we can still be doing things the same way, that think I'm 30 years into my leadership career, I don't need a coach. Poo-poo to you. <laughs> you probably need a coach now more than ever. Right. Um, and you know, back to Bailey those younger emerging leaders probably know more than we do. Yep. Be listening to them, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And to compound things, the uh, industry is like a melting pot in many ways of backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and even if you look at a typical hospital, within a hospital, you have from the front lines, some of the lowest paid workers that are literally in housekeeping, whatever, right. walking the same halls as some of the highest pay, whether it's a neurosurgeon, whatever, and different pressures in each of the roles people are playing. Yeah. So it's a, a the potential for combustion and, mm-hmm. and insensitivity is great. So the effort that needs to be put in the, against the potential for negativity is definitely there and it's worth doing everything we can for people to understand where other people are coming from and to all get along together within the institutions in particular. Wow. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) this is, you've got me spinning now because I'm thinking about a lot of different things and how they interconnect. So, you know, that, that multi-generational thing that you were talking about, Melanie and, and Jack, how, how we're talking about people who are just coming into healthcare and people who have been there for a while and people who are on the, on the, you know, end of their career, but are still there, you know, we need to, we need to be able to address their needs at different, in a different way. And those newer, those folks who are just coming in, who are younger and have fresh eyes and fresh perspectives, we do need to listen to them because they've done a lot of their homework and learned a lot about the technology and the way people interact with one another and stuff. As they they grew up in it, they've grown up in it. I have I have friends whose kids had you know some pretty deep courses in high school that helped them become better interpersonally, and we've got people who are mid career who couldn't be interpersonal, you know, if they tried because they yeah. haven't had to be, and so or they've only had to be in one capacity, not necessarily with coworkers, maybe just with their, you know, clients. And so it's, um, this is like, that makes it kind of complex. And from an OD perspective, it's like a career because there are so many things that you have to look at to, you know, see how to address these differences and be equitable in the process, you know, recognizing people's efforts when they're, you know, when they're doing their job mid-career and, and feeling a little burnout. Pam said that. I thought she did a beautiful job of, of expressing, you know, how, um, you know, there are people who have been here a while who don't know whether they 
want to stay in, in healthcare. There are people at the end of their career and they're not sure they want to get out. There are people at the beginning and they're not sure they want to get in or they want to stay in. So it's, you know, it's addressing all of this is so important. And it is, it's something that I think practitioners outside of healthcare who have an opportunity to work with healthcare need to think about that. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, Melanie, as you were saying that leadership you know, we have to be open to new ways. And I think that's so true. Mm. And at the same time, I think it gets back to the fundamentals too, that some of those things are, are true over time, which is as a leader, you have to be the example. Marcel talked about that. Also, yeah. we have to show up and be present mm. for our people. And I think that's, that is, it seems really basic, but it can be really challenging because people are so busy, so overworked. So sticking to the that's, fundamentals, I think, is important. That's too. so true. Yeah. I, I do want to point out one thing that he said that I actually went and looked at my notes because it's it really stood out for me. And I meant to mention it earlier. And it goes to your, your point about modeling good leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. he said um, it was when he was he was talking about good leadership. I forget the question that you guys asked him. It was so good, but it was, it was something around, Oh, it was lessons learned and what it means to be a great leader. Right. And he said, um, listening drives ownership and engagement. And he said, when things go well, I give ownership to the team. And when things don't go well, I take ownership. That's right. That was so powerful. Um, and he learns from bad leaders and he learns from the good leaders. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out for me because if you if you could just think about the organizations that you've worked in over the years where that wasn't happening, yeah, and toxic it was in the system, it was. It, he said it super fast, but I was like, man, I got to write that down. That's so good. <laughs> it was really powerful. You know, it was. I'm glad you mentioned that one because I I thought that that was brilliant. You know, the way he um, unpacked the leadership. I I think that yeah. it was foundational but it it's always good to hear and to hear it from his perspective was um pretty brilliant i thought i i also think you know and you're talking about modeling i think also we need to keep in mind that leaders are burning out as well mm-hmm. and we need to be really careful with our healthcare leaders to ensure that somehow they're being taken care of in the process and you know there are all sorts of different ways to do that but that is showing up and you know people look to their leaders as a point of reference for how they're going to be and so if a leader is burnt out it's really hard for someone below them unless they're going to break the mold and and do things differently they're going to possibly be in that same mode so i i just wanted to point that out because i think i heard a little bit of that when we were talking to pam and that was to me a good call out yeah so Thinking about bigger, bolder steps that leaders can take. Anything that you would add there? I think it kind of is a good segue to what we were just talking about in terms of really trying to challenge, you know, learning and unlearning. I think it goes to some of that, Trisha, that we were talking about earlier. And how can you challenge your own sort of old narratives, right? As a leader, I do think we have to find new ways of thinking, you know, some of those good, to your point, Crystal, some of our old tried and true leadership practices are still in place today, but we do have to try new ways, especially in this new world that we're living in. It's different. 
and we have such high levels of burnout. And also Pam touched on boundary setting and taking, you know, taking care of yourself, big, bold steps. Mm -hmm. Are you taking care of yourself? And this goes to modeling too. Are you putting boundaries in for yourself? You know, because I think as leaders, we do have to model taking care of ourselves. And, you know, are you packing it in from morning until night? You know, I, the leaders I'm working with are all doing that. And, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, your team is not taking care of themselves. And so where are you putting your own oxygen mask on? To me, those are big, bold steps. And sometimes that's the hardest to do Mm -hmm. because we get, we feel like we have this sense of like, we have to be taking care of everyone else. Yeah. That's really well said. And and I, I would just echo that, that it's going back to what can be done to create an environment and starts with the leader. And it starts actually even above the CEO uh, at the board level, what because boards are under pressure as well. So from Mm -hmm. the top on down work to take care of themselves and, and, and uh, do everything they can to create, to have, sustained success they have to pace themselves to even against all of this great pressure Mm -hmm. with uh urgent issues at the door somehow taking time to step back and be in it for the long haul is critical yeah so true you know we're all professional coaches here and with this in mind what messages did we glean or any of us glean from this these interviews that could inform our work moving forward. You know, what actions can we commit to? I would say just along the lines of what I was kind of mentioning that there's work to be done from the boards on down um, on whatever front will help them maintain and achieve the task at hand, which is in some ways survival, but it's it's to protect what what has been built uh, in this system and to guide it into this new chapter with so many changes taking place. People are stressed, they're hurting, and Mm -hmm. helping chart paths to kind of sustained resilience um, for the individual as well as teams. You know, there's individual work and there's teamwork to be done. Uh, That'll go a long way to stabilizing things. Yeah, I mean, I think there's not a lot to add to that because I think wherever there is systemic work that needs to be done or leadership dynamics, team dynamics, um, stress change, you know, where we're seeing a lot happening in the world that's going to impact industries, teams, leaders. It's a good, it's, it's a time for coaching. It's Mm -hmm. why we're seeing coaching becoming um, so prevalent in all industries, but really there's such a great need in healthcare. It's why I, you know, I think, who was it that mentioned call? I think it was Marcel that mentioned healthcare should be a calling. I'm feeling a calling mm-hmm. for healthcare. I think you guys are too. Yeah. I mean, Jack's been mm-hmm. in healthcare forever, but the reason we're doing this work is because we have a calling. Yes. I have, you know, I've been in technology companies my whole <laughs> life, but I have a calling to do work that is meaningful and impactful for the world. It's why you're doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there's work to be done for us as coaches and healthcare because of all the things that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I would say that from a commitment perspective that we're not going to continue this series 
but I would say we will continue to lift up these voices. Yes. So it is it is a commitment to the long haul. It's we're not it's not over, right? And I think that's one of the messages around COVID. You know, we heard that over and over. So many people just want to put it in a box and say we're done. We're not. The impacts are huge. I just heard something. Um, it was an interview of a a young person from the class of 2023 talking about what their experience was. Oh boy, this this is a lifelong impact to that generation. You know, it's this is this is what we're going to be dealing with, and healthcare is going to be an important part of that, and it's impacted by COVID. So my commitment is, if we can support in a coaching way, would love to be able to do that also continue with this podcast to lift those voices up. So you'll hear um, in the future, we'll have other people from healthcare, not another series, but other people from healthcare. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we integrate those voices into helping us build a better world. I love what I'm hearing. And I would say, you know, as somebody who's spent a lot of my career helping people grow their resilience through transition, you know, and, and embracing transition because change is happening every day of our world. Something you said, Melanie, made me think, gosh, you know, what can we do to help people understand what boundaries are and how to work within them, you know, and how to, how to recognize when they're not, they're not sticking with their boundaries, which is really so important. I think that's often why people get so burnt out is that they just don't know when to stop and they reach beyond. And, and I think there's an, a great opportunity for us as coaches to help people, you know, grow their resilience, but learn to embrace their boundaries so that they can, they can really do the work that they love doing and the, do the work that is meaningful for them and makes them feel valued and helps the world for that reason. So that's, that's where I'm sitting with this. So as we bring this conversation to a close, if you could pick one word to summarize how you feel about the direction of the healthcare industry and in particular healthcare leadership, what would that word be and why? I thought about this word. It's funny because it, it ties to the podcast, but I feel hopeful. <laughs> I really you do. can't steal our word. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, I, and I, I may have chosen a different word ahead of listening to these four individuals, mm. but I definitely feel hopeful. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I thought about the word and listened to the individuals too. How there was a consistent word that came to my mind because each one of them demonstrated in their own way. And that's resilience. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think for me, and it's very aligned to both of those. And I knew <laughs> I couldn't choose either one of those, was courage. It's going to take courage. And we saw courage mm -hmm. in those interviews, people standing up for what was right and and moving forward and the courage to be vulnerable and all of that. So I, my word was courage. Okay, now I'm coming up with a new word, girls <laughs> and guy. Um, <laughs> because it's been said. Uh, but I'm thinking the word possibilities because I think that there are so many in front of us, and mm -hmm. there are so many for our healthcare friends. And I would love to be a piece of that, a part of the, the journey with them. So thank you for joining us. 
unpacking these four great interviews. Thank you also for the idea. So this came out of a conversation that we had several months ago, recognizing that we wanted to spend a little time focused on on the healthcare industry. And I would say our listeners appreciated that. Mm -hmm. We have had an unprecedented number of people listening from all over the world. And so we're really happy that this is resonating with people and hopefully starting a conversation about what action they can take. Thank you both so much for this. It was it was wonderful to have your ideas and to be able to build upon them. And thank you for, for staying on the road with us. This has been a great journey. And I hope that we have other opportunities like this in the future because I think it'd be lovely. Mm-hmm. And it would certainly be good for our listeners, many of whom are in the medical field. So mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, that was really fun. It was. And, you know, I was so glad that Jack and Melanie were with us. You know, I think between the two of us, when we're unpacking something, we do a good job. And it's our perspectives. Having those two extra perspectives was amazing. Two more people who who listened to all four of those podcasts. And they came with even different ideas. And I loved it. I thought I thought this was a really impactful session. I, for me, it was. Yeah. I thought it was super interesting, too, that, that Jack, with all of his experience in healthcare, had one perspective. And we had a lot of alignment as well. But Melanie, with her background primarily in tech and mm-hmm. how that kind of came out in this roundtable to be so complementary, the it, tech and the healthcare. Yeah, it really yeah. was complementary. That's a good call out because, you know, even Melanie said that she doesn't have a background in healthcare, you know, per se as a, as a leader in healthcare or someone who's practiced, but um, certainly she saw the, you know, the synergy with, you know, what she's, what she has done in the yeah. past and, and all those um, common ground moments that, she can totally identify with when it comes to healthcare and burnout. I'm sorry. I know in healthcare burnout is a really huge thing. I've, I've known, known about it for many years, but burnout is happening all over the world in every industry right now. And, and so I think anybody who is a leader or has been in an organization where they're seeing it, this has some application for them. Yeah. I think it will, it definitely should resonate across industries for Mm -hmm. sure. So let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more fantastic guests like we had today and that we've had in the past. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Crystal. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. 
Have a fantastic week. Take care.